Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, Vine Church. It's going to be a blast. How good was that worship this morning? Give it up for the guys. They worked their socks and their pants off these guys, so well worth an applause. I want to speak this morning about under pressure. How do you perform under pressure? Does anybody, is there anybody else in here knows what it likes to be under pressure? Come on, guys. Help me out. All right. Half of you, the other half are dead. Now the pressure was too much. But I hope we have a blast here. I hope we have a blast. But as I get ready, my working title today is The Lion, The Bear, and The One That Stare. I know it's no good grammar, but I know nothing else. The Lion, The Bear, and The One That Stare. And uh, as we get ready for this, we'll take a couple of minutes to enjoy a bit more of the music. I'm going to pass around a gift. Maybe Alan could, or Tim or somebody could begin to pass them around, pass them around. And uh, I'm going to give you a little stone as a gift. And um, maybe Stuart, pass it around for me, Paul. Just make sure everybody gets a stone. When you get the stone... It'd be good if you just put it in your pocket and keep it there. They are um, home bases, very special red stones. They come out the ground that way, I believe. The first bag I picked up was burst and I dropped them all the flare. But we're going to have a good time, guys, because pressure, pressure is different for everybody and comes in different ways. You all heard about the woman, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it should be if it's not. The woman who was under so much pressure in California, she decided to end it all. She jumped off a bridge, she jumped off a bridge, and this guy had no time to think about it. <laughs> Every crazy thing happens in California, by the way. No, yeah. but anyway, so, 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 the guy sees this, he doesn't have time to think, and he jumps off the bridge to rescue her. The moment he gets in the water, he realizes he can't swim. And the woman, there's nothing worse than when you try to commit suicide and somebody's nipping your heat. This noise that he was making, shouting for help, was nipping her head so much she turned around and she rescued him. The thing is that if you have a bigger picture in your life, if you have a bigger purpose in your life than taking care of your own needs, your pressure is going to go down like crazy. But I want to also encourage you, there's good pressure and bad pressure. When Elm and I were treated in Adrian's and Muro's beautiful cabin the other week there, I thought I better get my snow tires on because they, they're, in the, they're up there in the hills somewhere. I get the snow tires on, we arrive. These stupid snow tires were flat before the end of the day. The guy hadn't sealed them right. That was a moment I could have done with some pressure. How many people know that there are times you need some pressure and you need a lot of it because there's a lot. I want to show you today the benefits of a lot of pressure. Two countries, one had lots of pressure, Italy. 30 years of war, pressure, pressure, pressure. And what did they produce? People like Leonardo da Vinci. Whereas Switzerland had 500 years of zero pressure and war. And what did they produce? The cuckoo clock and cheese with holes in it. That quote comes from the third man movie. And the truth of the matter is that I don't even think they made the clocks. Rumor has it the clocks were actually made in Germany. And the Swiss deny putting holes in their cheese. Right, thanks very much, Alan. I'm just killing time till we get warmed up here. But I want to take us today 
to three tools. Three tools very quickly I want to give to you to take home today. And a stone is a takeaway because Elma and I have had the privilege of visiting some of the most pressurized spots on the face of the earth. The most violent, murderous, evil prisons you can imagine with thousands of rapists and murderers. We got to go there and spend time with them. We got to spend time in Haiti with people like Charlie and thing. And the first time we went, the pressure as all the buildings fell down. And even now our friends this week in Haiti called me. The place has exploded in the last 10 days. The capital, everybody's locked in their house under siege. People are getting murdered like crazy. We got to go there. We got to go many times to a country in South America that is the murder capital. It's the kidnapped murder capital of the world. When we first arrived there, the pressure was so much. We traveled with 15 armed guards, each one of them with machine guns. We slept with a guard at our door with a machine gun just to protect us. So we had a question. Some of you know these little bits of stories, but we had a question every single time we went to these places, the most pressurized places in the world. We had a question. How come? Some people are numpties and can't use a microphone. No. Some people thrive under pressure while others dive under pressure. Some people thrive under pressure and others dive under pressure. And I want us, and I wanted to know one single thing. And I knew if I looked hard enough, I could find the one secret in each of these places because I found people thriving there in the prisons more than the free man here in Scotland. I saw them thriving, buzzing alive. And so I want to share with you three tools. And the one thing I found, because if you know what to do, when pressure shows up, biblically, then you and I can thrive in pressure. I was laughing last night, because here's this pastor preparing a warrior sermon. Serious warrior sermon. I was trying to get myself in a tough mood, playing some tough music. We're going to beat the devil. But a one-year-old cuckoo, a one-year-old cuckoo that we were babysitting for kicked me out my nest last night. <laughs> and I was put into the dining room in a little pink makeshift single bed for the night where I finished my warrior sermon. Nothing like a bit of pink pressure to keep you on your toes. The truth of the matter is, now we won't go there. But here we go. Wouldn't it be great if you could go home with one thing today? One thing that makes a shift inside you where pressure no longer eats you up, but you eat pressure up and you thrive in it. So here's the thing. Three things. The lion, the bear, and the one that stare. David... David was under pressure like you can imagine. You talk about dysfunctional family in the Bible. David was under colossal pressure. And he's in a moment where the whole evil army was staring at him. And the Goliath giant stood there with his stare. And I want us to jump in a helicopter for a moment and just land down into the middle of this drama just for a moment. Just to see and taste the multitudes behind David and his army who the pressure is killing. Every single one of them, they're diving. Not one of them will step up to the plate and face the one with the stare. David was different. 
David was a man we got to learn from today. Because David had a totally different DNA. David was a man who learned to rise and thrive under pressure. And he says this amazing thing when Saul takes him aside one moment. And the passage I'm using today is 1 Samuel 17. It's a brilliant, brilliant uh, verse 34. It's a brilliant moment because here is David. Nobody believes him. You ever been in that place, guys? That's pressure. Nobody rates him and nobody believes him. And, and so tries to reinforce that. Talk about pressure. David said to Saul, after Saul had said to him, son, <laughs> you're going to take on the one that's there? You're going to take Goliath at the game? Everybody's like, who do you think you are? And so, but David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and he took the lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him. And I rescued it from his mouth. And it rose up against me. I seized him by the beard. Guys, please, jump out the helicopter. Jump out. Get this. You know, most men and women run a mile if a moose shows up. David, a lion and a bear, and he said, I rescued it. And I struck them and killed them. Your servant has killed the lion and the bear, and this one that stare will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of God. He has tried to up the pressure. Here's the thing. We learn one brilliant thing, if you learn nothing else today, one brilliant thing from this drama moment. If you can take the bear and the lion out of your game, Goliath is a piece of cake for you. Can I say that again? If you can take the bear and the lion out of your game, every giant you face will be a piece of cake for you. Because David took the lion and the bear out, but the bear and the lion symbolized two greater giants in his life. The first one that David, the first and the greatest giant David faced was not the animals. Because David understood that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers, demons. So David says, David, if you're making notes, point number one, understood that in order to take Goliath, you have to take out the game, the lion of rejection in your life. Now what I'm doing is I'm hitting the double piston. We think the giants are the source of our pressure. That boss that's nipping your head, that financial situation, that wife that forgot, made your tea cold last night. You deserved it, maybe, I don't know. That wife that put you in the pink bed last night. Whatever. Pressures come all different ways to different people. Pressures at your work. Pressures at this. But you are wired to conquer pressure. You're wired to put in its place. If you will take the lion and the bear out, the pressure will take care of itself. Are you with me so far, guys? Are we on this? Hey, you think it was nothing when everybody picked Ginny and Margaret and Nancy and the team, but they left you out. You think, oh, I was nothing. No, 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 no. The spirit of rejection came on you in that moment. And I'm telling you now, every country you go to, every new job you go to, even the minute you try to come to Divine Church or any church, a new giant shows up. Come on. A new face shows up to stare you down. Derek and I were just having a chat there. He said, it's amazing since I've just started to come here. He's doing brilliant, by the way. But this is true, Derek. Eh? The, the things that I've risen up against them, 
that you have to understand every new country you go in to do mission, every new job you go into, there is a new stair, giant, ready to take you out the game. And guess what? If the bear and the lion is not ruling in your kingdom and in your heart, you're going to eat that sucker up. Come on, guys. So we're going after the lion and the bear today, guys. And we're talking to the right folk here. If you have the line of rejection on you, you're going to spend your whole life checking your likes, checking your responses, checking faces, checking feedback, checking comments. And, and if you get the wrong comment, you know, you know what it's like, ladies. You spend the whole day making the house spick and span. It's his birthday. So you hang things up and you do things and you, you cook things and you smell things and you do everything and... and and, you know, you get your lipstick on and you, you, you check yourself in the mirror and that. You, you know, you get your best belly suckers on and you do, you get yourself, and you're, you're buzzing. You're like. <laughs> and then he comes. And then he comes. <laughs> it was for the tea hen. Hen. You don't say nothing, but you just go, hen. I'll give you hen, son. You don't say nothing, but you just summer in. Oh, what a day I've had at work. Something different about this house. Oh, I know what it is. And you've got your best frock on. I know what it is. You've opened the curtains, darling, eh? What's going on? The lion of rejection is eating you up and you are ready to cow. Come on, guys. Give it up for the Lord's words to them. It's this wisdom, nothing to do with We've got to slay that sucker because I'm telling you now, every ministry you do, every country you do, I used to preach to 10 people and think, oh, I wish to 20. I used to preach to 20 people and I think, when I, when I preach to 20, I'll feel better. Then I preached to 25,000. I thought, well, I'll feel better. I still had the lion and the bear. I still came off there thinking I missed it. I blew it. I wonder what they think. Nobody said anything. I got one compliment from a granny who said she liked my chewing gum. You know, that lion sucker, trust me, you may think you're through, you may think this, but that thing, even once you get delivered, it can sneak up on you. And it can eat you up. Maybe God didn't come through for you. The second one, very quickly. You ready for the bear, guys? Oh, my sweet little granddaughter, Amelia, says, Granddad, she saw the line of bear. She said, you can borrow my unicorn if you need it for illustration. You have no idea how hard I tried to work a unicorn into this, but I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I'll try next time. I promised her. I promised The bear of insignificance. David... When the brothers were called to be anointed, his father didn't even bring him out. He lined up all the brothers, and he was asked, don't you have another brother? Ah, oh, yeah, we got a... He didn't... We don't, we don't even know if David was illegitimate or what the problem was because he didn't even acknowledge he had another son. You talk about rejection. You talk about rejection. And then when he, he went into the battlefield, his brothers were there. Gilead, the oldest brother, went, who do you think you are? And then Goliath said, you think I'm a dog? You come here with nothing? But David conquered the lion and the bear inside him. And so when Goliath, was, everybody was saying these things, he had something else ruling in his heart. And here's the thing. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. The king, the lion king went to the cross and defeated every devil. The presence of God used to live in an ark, in a tabernacle. That was the temporary dwelling place of man. Where is the permanent one? Right inside you. That's what the Bible says. You are a temple of the living God. The king dwells in you, reigns in you, rules in you, and if any other sucker, lion and bear, tries to rule and reign in your life, you're in trouble. And that's when the pressure comes on. 
Because when you allow the king to rule and reign in you, you rise up, you slay those two suckers once and for all. Once and for all. Talk about insignificant. When your own brothers say, who are you? When Saul says, who are you? When everybody and anybody says, who are you? And then the one that stare says, who are you? In other words, when the whole universe says, who are you? I'm not talking to anybody this morning. Come on. Come on. Even the budgie looks at you and goes, who are you? My little granddaughter loves me to bits until Granny Elmo comes. And then she's like, who are you? She literally looks me up and down. Ten seconds ago, I was a hero. Now I'm like, get out of my sight. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. I love it. Superb. Children are amazing. And so, the bear of insignificance. How insignificant do you feel Feel when the pressure's on, when somebody rejects you, when something doesn't work out, when God doesn't come through for you, when God doesn't answer your prayer, when the husband does this, when the wife does this, when the kids do that. Insignificance. Insignificance. One pastor texted me last night saying, I've been doing research on your name. As I was doing this, he said, I've found from the Irish history and this, 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 your real name is David. I was like, is he off his heat? <laughs> but it was weird. It was totally weird. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. A name has been put on you. A name has been put on you. A name has been put on you. Loser. Blonker. The devil told you you're not a good wife. Told you you're not a good husband. The devil puts all kind of labels on you. But the bear of insignificance thrives in people with self-doubt. And here's what it does. It turns you in on yourself. It turns you in on yourself. And you lose what's outside of you. Your passion for God, the bigger picture, other people, everything else suffers because the devil's got us to the place where he wants just to focus on me, mine, and my needs. And Jesus came to set us free from all of that. Come on, guys. So if you're up for it today, we're going to slay some lions. We're going to slay some bears. But I want to get you to the third point. The stare killer. So what happens when you get all of that, but then the stare shows up? One man texted me last night. Some of you know me and Macaulay, great guy. Three years ago, the stare showed up. He come home to know, saying his wife was gone. Didn't tell him where, when, or what. Off to marry the janitor at her school. Left him with three kids that he loves, grown-up kids in a world, shattered, the stair came. And Ian told me when I was in my lowest wilderness, somebody sent me a song. I'll tell you what that song is in a minute. He sent him a song. And the song took down the stair, the depression, and it broke him through. Now I want to get to the stone. Because you could go, hey, you know that David story? That's brilliant. But he had a sling and he had a stone and I don't. And I got about 10 minutes to convince you, you do. And it's much more powerful than the stone he had. And the stone is designed to take down every sucker, every pressure, every giant that comes into your life. But the stone is like the muscle you take to the gym. If you work everything else, your butt and everything else, and you forget that, that sucker, then that thing's ain't going to go anywhere. And that's why when David faced the stare, not only of Goliath, but his giant brothers and a whole evil army, what you have to see was taking Goliath down took seconds. It was nothing. How long do you think it takes to get a, a lion and a bear and kill them? Come on, guys. How long do you think it takes? Maybe a bit longer. 
So taking Goliath down in 10 seconds was nothing. And when he held up Goliath's head, it was let everybody know, you don't have to live under the pressure of no lion and no bear. And I meet guys in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they're still battling like crazy the issue of rejection and insignificance. So what is the stone? We sang a song at the beginning of today. You'll never sing that song, I promise you, ever again the same way once you watch this six-minute clip. It's the background to the song. It's about a little boy called Jackson. Jackson is dying. Jackson is dying. Jackson is dying. He's in a bad way. And his mom and dad are in the place where the pressure has been so much, they don't even have a prayer left. Has anybody ever, ever been under so much pressure, your prayers didn't work, your fasting didn't work, your cakes didn't work, and you just don't have a prayer left? Has anybody ever been in that place? Come on, be honest, guys. And what do you do when the pressure gets that much and you don't even have the energy or a prayer left? Check out what happened and see if you can identify the stone in the middle of this clip. Let's have the clip up, Clara, and if we can uh, drop the lights off, please. We got the news that he was in extremely serious condition, and it just went from worse to worse. In about a 12-hour time period, it, it went from he's just kind of had, had this little sick thing at home to life or death. We're, you know, we're in a, we're in a battle for a child's life and for a family. I'm a little bit of a, um, a nut when it comes to Christmas because I didn't have the lights outside and all of that. We grew up, you know, kind of poor, and, and um, so this was a really special Christmas for us. Um, you know, we went out and got our tree, and stockings were hung, and then. Everything changed. We love to do uh, train cake every year together as a family. And Jackson and I were actually doing that, just me and him that day. So it was a super fun, like, mommy-son moment. And we were making the cake. And then that evening, just not long after that, he was just laid out on the floor. I knew this, he's not OK. He needs to go to the hospital. And so we rushed him to the ER. He was just like so sick and I could hardly, you know, get him to the hospital. The doctor had called me up and he said, I'm really concerned that he might have E. coli. When I heard that, I thought, oh, psh, that's like one in a million chance. I don't feel like that would be possible. Um, and if it is E. coli, that's treatable. And a lot of times E. coli doesn't, I mean, it's just a terrible sickness and it passes through the system. But in our case, um, he contracted HUS, that, which then developed into kidney failure and to the most severe, um, the most severe case of HUS. The doctor had said that this is basically out of their realm of capabilities and that we had to go to a different children's hospital. And I was thinking, oh, that's gonna be in the next few days. He said, no, you need to go tonight and you're gonna get on a helicopter. We're gonna fly him there. I was just flooded with the sense that I might never know my boy. Growing up to be a man, it might be this week that I lose my son. All of a sudden, his speech starts to slur. He just started not being able to communicate, not being able to respond. In the middle of the night, they rushed us up to the PQ and called the neurosurgeon in. They tested him, and there was no response. There was no pain response. There was no recognition of me. And at that moment, I thought, I, I'm losing my son. Even if he makes it through this, I don't know if he'll ever know me again. He was just sprawled out on the bed and couldn't respond to anything. 
he was gone. There's a time when you said every prayer you can say, and you don't have the strength to praise and worship anymore. And you haven't slept for weeks. And you're just kind of undone. And that was the moment for me when I was undone. The flip side of that is, I feel like that was the moment that I really began to feel the prayers around the world. Hi, it's Christmas morning, and a lot of you are asking how Jackson's doing. Just want to say thanks for all your prayers and support. It's been overwhelming. Um, it's a really long story, but it's really complicated right now, and we really need a Christmas miracle. They can't get to his blood. Um, there was something supernatural that, that happened that brought the church together. I would pull up social media and I would just read people's prayers in the comments of people all over the world. I've never met them before, but they were just crying out for my son. We were in the brink of life or death and people would be posting comments on our Facebook. We are up praying for you. People posting by the thousands, commenting, and they'd be all over the world. We're in Brazil. My church, whole church is praying for you. I'm in Russia. My little children pray for your son every day. I didn't have any prayers left to say, but I could feel and see and hear the prayers being said on my behalf. Yeah, just, this is a box full of letters and something that we've really treasured. This is the bed that Jackson is laying on. And Jesus is healing him. They're in the middle of the world. Oh, well. Jesus, from Mercy, four years old. I hooked up to everything. They allowed me just to like hold him in my arms and you could just see the light still in his eyes. And I just remember just standing and declaring over him he was gonna, he was gonna raise up out of that grave and he was gonna, he was gonna live. We'd get good news and then worse news. It'd be this, it was so up and down and so we'd go to the hospital and they said, they thought he'd be okay, so they sent us home. And then to find out that he's worse than you even thought the first time. And then you're at the hospital and you're thinking, you know, he's gonna get better. And then you find yourself in a helicopter. And then you find yourself in a... <sighs> the head of the PICU came in and said, we have to get, we have to get a central line in tonight. They couldn't give him another sedative, so it would be like going in, basically having surgery on a child without any anesthesia. And the doctor took us aside and put us in another room they took us in a room and explained we had to have this procedure done or we would lose him, but there were so many risks to having the procedure done. I remember the night we got the text that they didn't think he was gonna make it through the night. When you got the text, you just collapsed into my arms and just like began to weep. And I could just feel like, like, we're gonna lose, like we're gonna lose Jack's, like we're not gonna win this one. There's not gonna be victory on this battlefield. Those moments, even though they're really hard, something within us rises up that only moments of trauma and intensity can actually call forth. In those moments for us, like the only option is like, we just have to worship. I remember standing at this crossroads and this giant of unbelief standing in front of me. Like it's, it's your prayers don't matter. Um, all these prayers don't matter, like, the Lord's not gonna hear it. This is gonna be like the other moments where you prayed with all your heart and then you buried your friend the next week. And, um, and it, but there was like something inside of me of like, no. And the melody just erupted out of my heart that, um, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. He sent me a song and I don't know to what extent, but he said his, their community had prayed for Jackson and in a spontaneous moment, they came up with a song. And so they just you know, recorded it and sent it to me. I took that song over my phone and I played it over my son over and over again. You know, I raise a hallelujah 
in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was, I was fighting warfare and, and it was, wasn't just me, I wasn't alone. I had people <laughs> literally making weapons, writing songs, sending them to us. It still humbles me and baffles me. The power of global prayer, the power of community, the power of believing together. He started talking again. You know, he was, you could tell it was, it was still like fragile, it was still coming back, but he was talking again. And that was like amazing. He was asking in the cutest two-year-old voice, like everything he can imagine that he liked, you know, I want a hamburger, I want a hamburger, <laughs> you know? But we were so happy to hear him talking again. From talking with Joel, the tone started to feel like, oh wow, we, we're coming out of this, I think. Just the shift internally of like, we made it was incredible. We walked in to the hospital just before Christmas, and now we're sitting here with a healthy son taking his nap right now. Hey buddy, look, we're going home. <laughs> look, you haven't been outside for a month. I, I remember hearing the news that uh, Jackson is coming home. And it was like, uh, it was like Christmas. We believe in the power of praise. We've seen a, God do a lot. And I don't know the secret to all of it, but I do know that Jackson is well today. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but wonder or think that uh, that, that praise had a part of that. This is part of our story now. And it's part of Jackson's testimony of his life that the world will know that miracles happen. This gospel is not haphazard. It's not a Russian roulette. It's not a guessing game. It is the absolute nature of God revealed through his goodness and his kindness. And what is necessary is for the people of God to rise to the occasion, to face the impossibilities of life with the confidence of God's character, his nature, and his promise. There's no other option. We were called to this. This is our responsibility. It is our privilege. Come on, give it up, guys. Give it up. Did you get the stone? In the Bible, it was a man's job, and one day all 10 of his kids died. At one time, all 10 of his kids died. What did Job do? He used the stone. To be honest with you, I found the stone more in prisons, hell holes than I have anywhere else. Because the Bible says, when you've sinned much and you're forgiven much, you love much. And when we saw in the prisons 2,000 murderers and lifers converted, we saw something we had never seen in any church. We saw the stone. And when David released that stone and took Goliath down, all the guys who were controlled by the lion and the bear before, all of a sudden there was a shift in the whole army and the whole atmosphere in the land. And God wants to bring a shift into your life today. If you will take the stone. Did everybody, anybody here not get a stone, by the way? Anybody? There's one couple of people in the middle. Keep your hands up. Um, Zara, could you run down? I'm not, didn't worry. She thought I was going to chuck them at her. And if you didn't get a stone, take a stone. Here's the thing. The stone... is inside each one of you. And if every time the stair shows up, you see the lion and the bear will either drive you into reverse gear or they'll drive you into the accelerator to the presence of God and the power of God and the breakthrough. That's the difference. If you allow the lion and the bear to drive you into reverse gear, you're under pressure. But here's how you allow 
when the lion and the bear shows up, how you allow it to drive you to the accelerator pedal into the presence of God. The stone that is given to you is praise. 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 Because he said in that movie, when you lift up hallelujah in the face of your enemies. You see, when you praise, you lift up the name of Jesus. Your focus is on Jesus. You're being drawn into the presence of Jesus and demons flee. Ah, oh, come on, guys. Demons flee. Trouble flee. Let me just give you one last verse to nail it. 2 Chronicles 22. It says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord, oh, this is not the Quran, guys. This is our, this is our instruction book. The Lord set ambushes. How would you like the Lord to set an ambush today or against that one that stare at you? Come on. That problem is eating you up. That addiction is eating you up. That financial situation is eating you up. That giant is staring at you. That depression, that cancer. Do you want that thing to flee? Then I'm going to take, ask you to take the stone home and put it in your pocket. And every time you put your hand in your pocket with your keys, you take it to stone. And you remember when you see the red, the blood of Jesus has sealed the deal. Come on! Every demon, every principality, every pressure against you was nailed at the cross. And when you look at the stone, you remember he was the stone that was rejected. The lion and the bear had to go at him too. But the stone that was rejected became the cornerstone. And when the stone was rolled from the tomb, every single pressure you ever needed to worry about was taken care of. Come on! Because the king's back in town and the king's on the throne and the throne is in your heart. And all he wants to do is rule and reign in your heart today and get you to kick out every lion and every bear that bear the suck. I said bear every bear that's sucking the life out of you. Don't kid yourself on, guys. None of us, none of us are above the rejection and the insignificance eating us alive. But today. God's going to take your eyeballs off yourself and your needs as I do so much. And he's got to get to see the big picture. The king is on the throne. The king causes all things to work out for good. Don't worry about Islam and all these things. The Bible says that behold, the darkness covers the earth, but a rise shine. The king has come. Come on. He said at the end of days, at the end of days, if man doesn't rise up and use the stone, if man doesn't rise up and praise him, he'll cause the stones to rise up. Come on, guys. This is brilliant. He says at the end of day, every mountain, every mountain, every Islam, every other weird thing, every cancer, every demon, every fear, every trouble, every pressure will bow to the mountain of the Lord. Come on. What is the mountain of the Lord? He says, come up the mountain today and praise me like you never praised before. Just imagine, just imagine, just imagine you're in almost prison or maybe Angola prison where you never see freedom again. And when we went there, and I have to tell you this, I know you've heard it before some of you, but I have to tell you this. God thought, well, this is temporary. 90% of those guys come out there, do not go back to the crime. 2,000 of these murderers and rapists, they came to the king. They came in one day to praise. Oh my God, I thought the building was going to fall down. They're praising with tears. They're not, oh, I'm, not I'm not one for clapping my hands. I'm not one for dancing my feet. They weren't into all that punchy crap. No, they were like, I've been saved for hell, bro. I've been saved. I owe it to the king. And I, they understood that when they praise, even in the prison, 
and the preacher was the best preacher I heard in my life. And I said to this preacher, you from Miami Beach or something, you look so good. No, 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 no. I was the guy that shouldn't be here because I had so many demons. They were taking me to the asylum. The asylum could have stuck me in prison. And every day my fun was eating glass bottles, eating them, and then killing prisoners with them every day. One pastor was like David. He said, I'm coming in there. I'm coming in there. I'm taking the sucker down. And the, the mafia, 300 mafia, said, if you want this prison, you got to fix him first. <laughs> you could start a church here if you fix this guy. They died on top of this guy. Guess what they did day after day, hour after hour. He didn't sleep. They just kept praising and praising and praising. Read the story if you don't believe me. Almost prison Argentina until every single one of the 42 demons left that man. Everyone left that man. And I said to the preacher, can you, can you show me who that man is? He said, that's me. The head pastor of 2,000 prisoners in almost prison Argentina. Give it up, guys. So when you see solar men transform DGs in the house, guys, give it up for the top men. Give it up. When you see them jumping about like loonies doing their thing, don't you think, oh, that's just the wee plink plunk guys doing their stuff. Na 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 na. Na 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 na. Every time they touch that sound and a sound of praise goes up, they're lifting the name of Jesus. Jesus has set an ambush on enemies. These guys are changing atmospheres. Your George Keenan's and we got birthday boys on drums and everything. Then it, then it, then don't ever come in here again go, I, you know, I'm just a wee cool guy. I just sat here and twiddle my pinkies. Hi, 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 hi. See if he saved you for the pit of hell. If he truly saved you for the pit of hell, which he has, the least you could do is take your stone in your pocket today. Take your stone of praise. Because when you praise, demons flee. Who would like the bear and the lion to go today? I'm going to take two seconds to show you how to do this. And every time the bear of rejection, the bear of the line of rejection significantly show up, I want you to see this prayer. Very short, because I want you, you have to take this home. That sucker's going to show up nine o'clock tomorrow morning. He's going to show up all the time. And you've got to be ready to take that sucker down. So when that rejection shows up, you say, spirit of rejection, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. Nothing can stand in the name of Jesus. Nothing. When insignificance shows up or any other thing shows up, the gathering demoniac had legions of demons. But when Jesus came, when, the, when you bring the presence of Jesus, the demons flee. Spirit of insignificance. Don't forget it. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And he flees. Then you find a song. Get a CD. Ask some of the mercy guys what's the best worship CD to buy. Get your music on. And even if 10 kids fall, this falls, you take your stone. And every time you pick that stone in your pocket, this is the take home. Every time you find that stone in your pocket, you praise. You praise. You just praise. You say, I praise you, Jesus. I mean it, guys. I'm, I'm driving this home because it's a lifesaver. You praise Jesus. And when you do, you enter his atmosphere. He enters yours and your kids start to get healed. Things start to happen. Life gets changed. Are we up for that, guys? So that's your takeaway today, if you don't mind me saying so. Every moment of every day, get some music on, get praising, and see the ambush take place before your eyes. See your miracles happen. It works, guys. Come and say amen. So do you like the song Hallelujah a little bit better now? Because when they played that song for the little dying boy, you know, something that no other prayer could do, praise, raise that child from the dead. And those dead areas in your life, the areas you're struggling, the things in your life that are dead right now and hope's dead, you start praising. If Job could do it when 10 kids die, fall on his face and praise God, dig out that stone, guys. 
because that's the one stone in your sling that if you release every time you release it it'll take down the giants you fear like nothing else can we say amen guys let's say this prayer after me Lord Jesus Christ let's say it louder because I'm a bit deaf Lord Jesus Christ I take authority over the lion and the bear I rebuke the spirit of rejection and the spirit of insignificance from my life in Jesus name set me free Lord Jesus to praise you like it's my last day on earth like it's my last hour to thank you like it's my last minute to give you gratitude set me free from my pride fear timidity that keeps me bound up in my praise Holy Spirit in this moment set your people free like the prisoners of almost prison because we were in a prison too but you went down into that Hades you took the sucker out the game and you brought us into freedom you brought us into freedom and from this moment on every time the lion and the bear shows up to try rule and reign in my kingdom I'm kicking his butt until he no longer returns and from this moment on I'm going to invite the king to rule in his kingdom which is within me in Jesus name would you mind for 60 seconds applauding and shouting the name of Jesus come on guys let's raise a praise let's raise a hallelujah let's raise a praise.